0: The Rock and Roll Coffee Show is brought to you by Writers and Rockers Coffee Company, keeping the music and memories alive with some damn good coffee. Be sure to pick up your Rock and Roll Coffee Show coffee only at writersandrockerscoffee.com. And also brought to you by Retroactive, located at Broadway at the Beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, keeping you retro with everything from 70s, 80s, and 90s. Shopretroactive.com. Hey everyone, I am Joe Sebelia, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Now, before we get started, if you're new to the channel and haven't already hit the subscribe button, please do. Also leave a comment, hit like, all those things help support the channel and I would greatly appreciate it. On this episode, I have two great guests that are considered by many to be pioneers of the progressive tech metal genre. That is Jason McMaster of the band Watchtower and Kelly Schaefer of the band Atheist. It was a pleasure to have both of these guys on the show at the same time for this epic conversation. I hope you enjoy this bit of metal history every bit as much as I did. Leave a comment below and let me know your thoughts. Thank you so much for watching.
1: It's the rock and
0: thought it would be fun to have you guys here because i mean kelly you know uh, jason we've known each other for about three years now okay yeah and i didn't know your full involvement in watchtower until after we met and started talking about that that's fair and then kelly and i have known each other for uh God, i don't even 25 years maybe 20 yeah. 25 yeah. years long time yeah. played in bands together in a
1: band together yeah um,
0: wow. i did it Filled in tour managing with Neurotica with you for a couple of shows. We played in,
1: we played in Brian Johnson's band, which is really
0: great. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to
2: ask you guys about that. I guess, I guess now's a good time. How did that come about? And, and where can I hear that? Did he write the songs for you or with you?
1: No, he, he wrote the songs. um, So, so, so Brian Johnson uh, in 1998 came into a little club, Uh, It wasn't even a club. It was a it was a sandwich shop during the day and a punk rock. It was called like a punk rock deli. And uh, so he could hold maybe 50 or 60 people. And it was in our hometown of Sarasota. And he lives in Sarasota. So he wanders in one night. We're playing Neurotica is when I had Neurotica. And uh, we played together, you and I, uh, Godzilla Motor Company in uh, Austin, Texas, years ago. I don't know if you remember that or not.
2: Yeah, of course. I um... do. Got the back room.
1: Yeah, so um so he saw this band playing and we were actually on break at the time. And uh we were upstairs and I was smoking weed with the owner and I looked down and I see Brian walk in. I was like, so I told the guy I was like, We, we gotta go put this fucking joint out, let's go. We gotta go play it right now before he leaves. And so we played and uh, long story short, he ended up uh producing the first neurotica record. So we became friends and um and then so there was a period of time i think i think it was about seven years that acdc was sort of dormant they didn't do anything mm-hmm. and brian was going crazy and uh so yeah he mouthed out all these songs well they had a band called naked schoolgirls um and it was a a guy named doug k who uh, me and joe have known for a while and um he's a i don't know what what would you call doug doug's a uh he's a record guy he owns a label and um and now owns a label in nashville and and was a musician as well and and was it was closer friends with brian than we were and um but so brian calls me one day and he's like get me son but y'all fucking come and sing on our demo and i fucking wrote some songs like i'm fucking tired of sitting around with the boys and and uh, waiting for the boys to go on tour and i want to fucking write some music and i was like yeah so i mean you know the answer to that brian yeah. johnson asked, asked you to yeah. sing in a band <laughs> you fucking <Yeah>. sing <laughs> so uh he had all these songs man and um so I I you know, I went in and uh I think Joe, you were already a part of it or something, right? Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So I was already in there.
1: and I I uh I have a, I I have more of a Bon Scott quality to my voice than, than a Brian. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a little more singy. Uh,
2: well sing- I, I uh I I I love my my uh Bon Scott tattoo. Oh, I got one, huh? But yeah. Even though I love Brian, I don't have a Brian tattoo, so that'll do <laughs> some. Some that'll now you know where I'm at too, son. You know, it's nice,
1: nice. I <laughs> yeah. uh, so I man, I have so many great stories of that whole experience with Brian. So he starts this band, he calls it Big Machine, and uh, asks us to come in and and make this demo. So and go in and sing on it. And uh, I was already
2: well. there, but Joe's already there. I was already yeah. there.
1: Joe's how playing with
2: the you, band. Yeah. How, did, how did you start? Sorry, Kelly. How no, that, did, well, how when you...
0: they were, when Doug and Brian were talking about getting this thing together, they needed people to play. And I, at the time, I was playing in a local band, and we were doing fairly well. And then Doug approached me and said, hey, you know, I got these songs with Brian. We'd like wow. you to play. Okay. I was like, well, say just like Kelly said, you don't say no, right? You say no. yes. So it was the same thing,
2: and then and then Kelly drifted in with. Did you bring anybody to the table with
0: you, Kelly?
1: No. Um. There was a there was another guy that we knew, a mutual friend named uh, uh, shit, Don, Don Donnie, right?
0: Donnie was <laughs> the guitar player in my band at last right. at the time Okay. Too.
1: Yeah. So and he was a really hot shit guitar player. He was a really good, super cool kid, and and um played the shit out of that music and. Uh, the drummer was also originally playing in a band, playing in that naked schoolgirls band. So okay. so everybody everybody in the band was sort of familiar with Brian except for me. And uh other than us working together on Neurotica. So so I go in and we do it and uh he gets real excited about it, you know. And um next thing you know, we're on our we're playing at CBGB showcasing for uh Did that happen first, Joe? I mean, I think it uh, no, we, we played it. No, we mm-hmm. did a sarasota show and they came did, down
0: mm-hmm. right they did the yeah. first sarasota show sold out show first show and the lawyers were, i forget their name but they had guns and roses Celine dion and then after that about a month later they brought us up to new york to cbgb's to yeah they were
1: real excited they were like we need to shop this and um and so we went up to cbgb's and we uh they hired a stylist and and uh and and bought us some clothes and
0: oh, and nice. uh
1: we stayed in a fancy hotel and and it was fun man it was just a, it was a good time and for me coming from such you know underground metal it was yeah. uh, it was just a whole different uh experience and um yeah so we showcased the cgbs and you know just like the record industry i mean i i don't know how much more easy it would be to sell a record than to have brian johnson writing the songs but these guys were like well if you guys are 22 we'd sign them right now you know and they, they so right. i mean i was only 32 at the time there, i think there. you know and, yeah so uh so it was just kind of fucked up and typical record industry bullshit and um but i mean the songs are really good and it's uh joe do you still have
0: it i do i, have four I don't
1: i don't so you don't have to send it to jason check it out but it's uh wow. you know it's really it sounds like acdc with um you know, and Brian did a great job. He just sort of mouthed out all these songs to a band. You know, like he's literally that guy. And
0: yeah, rehearsals. <laughs> wow.
1: And they just kind of wrote all the songs. And um, yeah, it was really, really cool. And uh, and at that one show where the lawyers came, we did a uh, we did rock and roll together, Zeppelin and we did a uh, back and we did lap. dirty mm-hmm. deeds. Yeah, we did dirty deeds together. So for me, whatever, I, it was already a win. You know, I'm on stage at a sold-out show, fucking yeah, singing yeah. dirty deeds with the King of Rock. You know, so yeah. And for a for a death metal kid, I was fucking pretty happy about it. You know. Oh uh, yeah. Cool. Wow. That's <laughs> an
2: that's an amazing story. When Joe told me that just the other day, I'm like, Yeah, you didn't I just
0: know that. I.
1: I yeah, it was true. really random. And um, and you know, the band really could have done you know great things, but uh, you know, it, it's always these pencil pushing, fucking necktie people at fucking labels that yeah. are so. Yeah, sleep at the wheel. You know, I mean, they're yeah, always asleep course. at the wheel.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, and it's it's also you know the old saying, uh, the blind leading the sighted.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great saying.
2: <laughs> well, you it's know, told, right, that's it's how it's always been. You know, yeah,
1: well, how how many times have you heard stories of the greatest <laughs> bands in rock and roll were passed on numerous times by uh, wow. almost all the labels? It, it's almost a a parody of itself. You know, you think at some point that people would say, you know what? If labels hate us, we must be fucking spot on. You know, we must be closer to the fucking sun than than uh you know, because it's just you know, they they never until you actually already sort of have done the work, you know, they t- typically never and not always, but I mean it's just it's always been my experience that the, these guys are always asleep at the wheel and uh and in this instance they were. And so um you know, we played a bunch of shows. I played 50 or 60 shows together and, uh, all around, uh, Florida and, and then in New York
2: and it was oh, fun. And that and name under that name.
1: Yeah. Big machine. Big machine.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. And it was cool. And so um,
2: that's a, that's cool working with Brian and him. Just, I call that a Michael Jackson because that's what Michael, that's how Michael Jackson wrote all his tunes is he would go in with like Quincy Jones or whatever. And he'd just open up, you know, as many tracks as he needed. Okay, here's the bass line, you know, boop, 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 boop. he'd we, here's the guitar part. He'd sing all the parts, and he'd lay down ten or fifteen tracks, and he would basically demo out all the songs. Can't play one instrument. Can't play an that's, instrument.
1: That's amazing, you know. I mean, I can't play drums, but I've mouthed out so many drum parts to, oh, yeah. to music in my catalog, uh, you know, the over the years between Neurotic and Atheist. Yeah, and I um and now it's really nice to have the technology where I can program drums or, you know, so anything I don't have to. And you know, the nice thing about that, you know, this is a singer is, you know, to get a drum, like if you're, if you're trying to find something in a song or trying to find a melody line or whatever, to ask a drummer to just, just play this 150 times so that I can, so I can feel, you know what I mean? No drum, no drummer wants to do that. So it's nice to have today's technology to be able to write and, uh, and just have a computer play the goddamn drums for a minute until I can find my groove, you know? And, uh, so but but that was a, a tremendous experience and and brian is wow. just one of these guys that just i mean i've like he's probably less assuming than any local band musician i've ever met in my life wow he is so humble and i, I um, wouldn't even
2: know i i my i would be reeling in my tongue off the floor if i was just standing right next to the
0: guy i, I mean we,
1: we we were secretly you know we were but i mean <laughs> yeah, he would he would invite us to his house and right? um
0: like we did doing the 4th of July that, that year with uh, Skid Row guys, too? There,
1: yeah, yeah, fucking. He also, another cool thing just for me personally was, you know, he sat and opened this hundred year old bottle of scotch at his house with me. Uh, first of all, he called me and said, Kelly, my son, can you bring us some fucking grass? Uh, yeah, fucking need some weed. And I said, Uh, oh, well, sure, Brian. And so I, I show up at his house, and he has all these, uh, he has all these sort of dignitary looking old rich people. At his house his mansion right <laughs> on the water and and he fucking clears them out like they were riffraff ah this is me fucking this is me, mate kelly fucking blah, blah blah uh you know hey, y'all fucking have a great night you can go hang out with brenda and me and him sat on the back and got high and fucking drank the scotch and i had never drank scotch ever much less hundred year old scotch mm. and uh so here i am sitting on overlooking the ocean and brian's mansion uh, and, and he goes, Kelly, my son, you fucking remind me of bone. you fucking remind me of bone. And I was like, oh. no one's ever going to believe that he said that it was just me and him. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Jason, it's like, wow, oh, man, I wish I could fucking videotape that, you know, mm-hmm. because it's just my dad, me and my dad had a very tumultuous relationship. And uh, one of the one things like my dad left when I was seven and, and he was just always an asshole. And, and, but the one thing that we bonded on was ACDC. And so, the idea that Brian Johnson was sitting at this table telling me that I'm running for Bucket got, was to me, was like, you know, a lot of people, and I know you, you'll probably relate to this as well, that people will say, well, you've been playing music for so long, how come you're not rich? It's like, I'm fucking wealthy. I am wealthy in life beyond fucking what you, what you could ever purchase with your million dollars or your fancy yeah. car or any of that shit. You can't buy the shit that I've uh, been right. fortunate enough to <laughs> experience, you know? That's, so, that's exactly uh, right. And, and, and it is true because you can have multimillion dollars, but Brian Johnson's never going to agree to produce your album. He's never going to sit down and drink a bottle of scotch with you and get high and fucking say, sound like Bond's guy, you know, and all, that's just a small portion of the great things that he did. He was just such a, you know, just a, just a helpful, amazing guy. And I, I just, wow. you know, and, and I, you know, as a young, as a young man when me and my dad did bond on the ACDC, um, I never in a million years imagined that that would ever be a, a scenario that I, that would happen in my life, especially being an underground metal kid. So uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. And um, and I've I've I, you know in my in my final days as I lay in bed, fucking ready to cash out, oh, that'll be at the top of my uh, of my list of things that I'll, I want to remember. You know that you can't put a price on.
2: Well, I'll be thinking about this the story that both of you guys just told me. Oh, I'm, I'm about to cash out let and go. Yeah, man, those guys are awesome. I'll be talking about you guys. The memories and the and the th- moments like the, that we're having right now. That's the shit that you take with you.
1: Yeah, now I'm I'm having another moment because the 16-year-old me is fucking tripping out and I'm fucking talking to you right now because you, well, I, think, you I, think it, I think you don't you don't that understand that's why how much it, you meant to us. You know, I, I mean think uh, that's
2: why Joe cooked this
0: up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because I was thinking, I'm like Because back to when I met Jason and I was talking to you, Kelly, and you mentioned how Watchtower and Jason were influences on atheists. And I had all the years I've known you, I had no idea of that either. And in my mind at that time, I was thinking, Jason from Dangerous Toys had influence on atheists. All right. So I was thinking (laughs) the other day, well... Now that I know both of these guys, why don't we get together and talk about this?
1: Yeah, what an honor, man. You know, it's an honor to to have this chat. I know that uh, all of my prog metal friends are going to be fucking super jealous, you know, because <laughs> uh, I get to so have a one-on-one, you know? But so, also, you know, then, and as years went on though, Jason, you ended up playing with my drummer from Neuronica, uh, Jason yeah. West.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: So, and okay. uh, what, a, what a lovely human being he is. I yeah, man. I
2: love Jason West. And so he, he's one of the, best drummers i've ever played with
1: he's so good and so yeah, yeah. sweet love him yeah. man and he came into the neurotica fold after um our original drummer bailed out and man he just didn't skip a beat he was just a great performer he did the whole house tour with us and he's just a giggler man you know he's just always laughing and giggling and uh yeah you know rarely saw that kid ever ever have a dark side you know and um i just i uh, i've always enjoyed my time with him and uh, in fact i'm gonna see him in a little actually we're starting the tour in austin in a, I, in a few I, days i know
2: that i know that i'm gonna to try to come down there i i live like 45 minutes from town so it's kind of a it's a little i, I gotta make plans i understand you know?
1: i understand if, if you can just let me know so i can make sure i, uh, I put you on the list but a, uh, if you can't i completely understand i get it man you
0: got yeah, life you know i, I, I knew uh, you but, would uh, I, don't,
2: I don't feel no, good whatsoever no
0: <laughs> but jason so real quick so most people know you from dangerous toys um that's not true. If, well, well. Well, I, I know where
2: Joe's coming yeah. from. <laughs> as far as as far as uh airplay, numbers. Right. Uh, you know, be if you're counting beans, he's yeah. right.
0: Yeah. Right. So but they don't what I was getting at is Watchtower is considered to be one of the bands that really kind of put the what would you call it like tech? technical metal or
1: huh, progressive progressive, progressive tech- metal yeah i mean um, the
0: watchtower really put that on the map
1: yeah we That's had sad. to
2: we had to come up with our own uh you know taglines because we didn't on our like flyers and shit you know when we, we and we were still in high school so we were having to come up with taglines so people wouldn't wouldn't uh be sold the idea that they were just coming to hear a cover band or a, i mean for a long time we played tons of fucking covers but what covers did you point. play um it's you know the same shit everybody played maiden and priest and rush and and oh yeah we we played riot we played old riot songs and we played angel witch you didn't play no and, rush and raven tons of rush
1: okay because yeah, your your voice was like a. It's like if somebody smacked the shit out of Getty Lee and fucking made him angry and woke <laughs> yeah, him up in the morning and threw him on the it, mic. That's why yeah, you Getty, sounded like that. Getty back
2: Lee back. on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, anyway, our own taglines were things like uh, uh, like techno thrash.
1: Yeah. Mm. Or, or accurate. It, it
2: was pre. It was it, you know I like the term enough. Uh, math metal because it's definitely math metal. But and this is something for you, this is still uh, on the back of your question, Joe, is this is I remember it would have been like you know late 82 or early 83 sending cassette four track demos of early material that to this day had never saw the light of day other than this handful of cassette tapes. To the very first fanzines I had ever heard of or gotten a hold of, or had been uh, courted by, and there were like two or three of them that were from Florida. So right. I, I don't remember the names of these fanzines. I don't remember, but it's fucking early, you know. It's, a, it's yeah. like let's look '83, and I'm like, you know, I had never done this before—the the demo and the tape trading. It was like I remember the first like four track watchtower cassette demos that i ever licked a stamp for you know i would lick like 10 of them and put it on an envelope and hope that the hope that it made it. the cassette didn't get stepped on and smashed in the mail because i could not x-rayed yeah because i couldn't aff- yeah, no, no, I couldn't, no. couldn't afford a bubble envelope you know
1: a uh, bubble mailer or whatever and no, no, there, there were no bubble mailers back then jason it was <laughs> there, there was no bubble it was it was a fucking old school envelope i there was no bubbles. <laughs> Jurassic.
2: (laughs) Jurassic, bro. So, so yeah. And, and I remember, you know, fanzines not knowing how to categorize. I didn't, I don't like being categorized, but you know, when you're trying to review or describe something for someone else who hadn't heard it or seen it or held it in their hand. Yeah. They called it jazz metal. They said, If Frank Zappa and Mahavishnu Orchestra went into a blender with Rush and started a speed metal band, that's what this would be. You know, they were throwing all these space metal, jazz metal. They were trying to. Yeah, I mean, how did they? No, I I,
1: listen. We we have a parallel that you, I probably you probably don't know about because it's. Uh, the same thing happened to atheists. They'd be like, well, what is this? And they called it brain metal or, okay. or uh, there was I actually like a that. sticker, a sticker on the album that said Florida's brain metal. And I, and uh, you know, wow. nobody would, nobody would ever be able to. So, I mean, we have, that's why I'm so excited about this conversation, not to step on what you're saying, but I just, oh. we have so many more parallels than you're probably even aware of um, I'm sure that uh, because, you know, we, we both had a, a similar path of trying to, trying to, get the confusion off of people's faces when we play, um, you know, because
2: <laughs> I think I mean, we were, I think we were trying to
1: create that face. You definitely uh, achieved that man. <laughs> uh, and still, I mean, I, I mean, just still to this day, like, do you know that Doug, do you know that our bass player was buried with a picture of Doug?
2: you told me that story over text really not that long ago, maybe the end of last year, you were real, describing man. that to me. And I was like, what?
1: Roger Patterson is a, is a, you know, a revered legend. He's been dead 32 years now. And, uh, you know, he died at 22 on our first tour. We crashed and, um, and it almost killed me as well. And, uh, but, but he fucking was so excited that Doug showed up to our show in Texas. And, uh, and I don't even know why he showed up, because it was Candlemas and Atheist, like two opposite ends of the spectrum.
2: What, uh, what, what venue? Do you even recall?
1: Oh, my God. Um, I mean, the background. It, it wasn't back in Austin. Was, oh, it wasn't in Austin. No, it wasn't. I feel like it was in Houston. Okay. Is that possible?
2: well that's three hours away he would have it would have why had would been, he be there i wonder me knowing doug it would have to have been an, a convenient trip you know, for the
1: him. only yeah well i mean i can't and and i you know after you know and this was days before he got killed so oh. the picture that got taken was so important to roger like he was just and all of us we were just stunned that he was there and wow you know, it was a really big deal i watched how it was a you know, it was a band that, that we just were like, just, it's, it spoke to us so much because that we were, we were already like, we were huge fans of Russian maiden and priest and, and, um, and then jazz, like Spyrogyra and, 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 and Zappa's stuff and, and all that. And then just hearing, especially those bass lines man, were unfucking yeah. believable. And so for Roger Patterson, he just worshiped Doug. And, and uh, so to have him show up at that show was, was the highlight of his life. And, he got that picture. And so that's why we buried him with it. And, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and so when he died, he, Doug was the first guy I reached out to to see if mm. he would fit it. Cause we had already had the second album already written, which was Unquestionable mm. Presence, which is now a, yeah. a classic record. Right. God, you know, it would have been so cool for him to do it. And, and I get it. You know, Doug was like, ah, it's not my thing. You know? And I was like, I, I know it's not your thing, but man, you know, uh, you're one of the few guys back then he was one of the few guys that could pull off those bass lines." sure and um and so sure. there weren't there was a it was a very um i used the term uh talent puddle instead of a talent pool um yeah. you know it was a, it was a puddle it was a very small puddle of, of people that were capable of playing bass like that and um so uh so the only other guy that was able to do it was tony choi who um you know played with cynic um, are you familiar yeah. with cynic yeah so cynic is another band that were friends of ours when we were we were uh we I, I, a-
2: I, I was lucky to sorry to interrupt, I was lucky oh, enough to do that project with uh Mike Portnoy, the Rush tribute with Sean Malone.
1: Oh yeah, fucking ridiculous player. Another
2: one who's rest in peace yeah, gone yeah. too soon. Right. So yeah, I yeah. mean uh Cynic and Atheist seem to be
1: We come from you, man
2: yeah well that's such those are big words and i don't i thank you doesn't
1: i just did a two-hour podcast earlier today with um i don't even know where the guy was but i was just telling him about that you know like i said yes an extreme metal extreme metal um atheist and cynic are the fucking the 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 first few words of the sentence so you have to understand where we come from you know we come from rush we come from watchtower we come from You know, also the fundamentals of Maiden. Maiden was one of the first bands that I think taught us all, oh, listen to the harmonies. Listen, listen to how great the solos are. Listen to I I was telling the guy also that you know I learned probably more from Maiden lyrics than I did in high school. Yeah. About about history. I yeah. I never knew I never knew what the a fucking rhyme of the ancient mariner was. I never knew what Uh, Genghis Khan was, you know, I mean, all those things I learned from Iron Maiden and uh, the Rue
2: Morgue. What the hell is the Rue Murders
1: in the Rue Morgue? Yeah, yeah, I mean, how is that different from a regular Morgue, right? You know, but I mean, all those uh, things that we had never ever heard about, I you know, we learned from metal, man. It was and uh, yeah, people that don't listen to metal will probably chuckle at that, but uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, a there's a lot of really great lyrical concepts, you
2: know, has to come from somewhere, especially if you're kind of street kid, street smart. Coming from somewhere like that, you're all you cared about was rock and roll. It wasn't your fault that that's what spoke to you. It, but you it's know what's how- great
1: about Watchtower also is today I went back to listen, um, and I still can't fucking, I still can't understand what you're doing. I still listen to that and just go, <laughs> holy fuck, that was 1980. Well, well, I'm sitting
2: right here. Why don't you ask me a question? What is it that that you can't understand what I'm doing? Maybe I can lay it out for you.
1: Well, you know, it's just the, the structure of how you manage to find a way to put vocals to that fucking chaos is oh, beyond me. Yeah. Like how, you know, because as a vocalist myself. Oh, oh, that, right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I so, mean, So was that challenging, Jason, or is, is that yeah, something that comes naturally? Yeah, yeah I,
2: I think that it's an important to understand that, and we've already talked about it. I've talked about it. Kelly's talked about it. Uh, your influences come... From somewhere. So, you know, if you're, if you're growing up in your, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, you're listening to Alice Cooper and Queen and Elton John and David Bowie and the Beatles and your brother's record collections. And then you get into Kiss and then Judas Priest and then it gets a little heavy. Deep Purple, start, Right. Deep Purple. Yeah. You know, the, the game and, and, even, and even in the late 70s with, uh you know, around the time when Kiss is just bigger than everybody. You get into early punk rock, the Pistols record, the Ramones, and even some of the new wave stuff was really cool. I thought I had all that shit happening, coming at me at all sides with three brothers. So when you think about coming from all of that, and then metal just becomes a household name by, by 80, 81, 82. uh, And then the next thing you know, there's this whole underground thing that the metal kids kind of stole from the punk rock kids with the fanzines and the, all the, the crash pads that were in the back of the fanzines, the tape trading, everybody had their address and phone number. There was this big, like, uh, spider web of connectivity and underground uh, movement uh, that I feel like the metal dudes got from the punks. And no question. No question. Yeah, yeah, it's real. Uh, and, and so by the time you know you're you're figuring out what you are musically you're 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 16 17 18 years old okay so i joined watchtower when i was 18 years old and i I was coming from being in a few bands that were that were doing rush and maiden and acdc and hendrix and blah whatever right
1: when did you when did you realize you had that range though like what what
2: I, I, I I never, I'm untrained. I, I, which is ironic because I've been teaching for 18 years. Uh, I've never had a lesson myself. So it's kind of, yeah. And I feel like if you, if you're in it, uh, for yourself and the people that may have doubted you, that's the good, good thing is I never had anyone tell me, yeah, you need to work on that. I never had anyone tell me, uh, uh, yeah, you're gonna hurt yourself if you keep doing that. I never had anyone. You're doing that all wrong. I never had anybody, and you know what? I love it that that never happened. It probably would have bummed me out.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh,
2: but I never. There was no one, and there was the 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 cool thing is is when I when I reflect is. No one else was even trying to do what I was trying to do. So whenever I met someone who was really fucking going for it, the way I was going for it, I was like, fuck yeah. I would yeah. be like excited about uh, other singers that were just trying to break all the rules of, yeah. you know, tiptoe through the tulips. You don't know. No, there's no path. You make your own, you figure this out. Yeah. If you want to sing up there, if you want to sing down there,
1: if you want to sing over there, you should just do it because see most people had time to uh time within the in the structure of a song but not only were you a great high singer with this uh, incredible range but you also had to it was like you had to fit into this i mean yeah a, a level of progressive like there was no room for you to put vocals in there yeah so they, so they didn't write that music for you to to have a space to be comfortable there's no, nowhere were, for you to be comfortable. They and were trying you, to. They were trying. To,
2: yeah, they were trying to be as chaotic as possible.
1: It was like if Rush did a whole eight ball of cocaine and fucking rolled into the fucking studio and said, "All right, man, let's go." You know, and Getty was all geeked out. I mean, that's that's what it felt like I, to us. As kids, I describe you know, just, <laughs> it.
2: I, I describe it as. And this is this is old. I've been saying this for years. The first time I heard it was like. You know, imagine having, you know, a drum kit and guitars and bass and amplifiers and just throw it all down the stairs, but make sure, sure it's mic'd up <laughs> and hit record before you throw it all down the stairs.
1: But you know what? That's insulting to that because it was way more contrived, way more but, specific. But I know yeah, what you're it saying. Was, to the it average was. listener, yes. They go, that's Oh my right, god, that's I I, right. I but, but
2: I, 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 I come I bring it back in when I say in time and in tune.
1: Right. There you go. Oh. Yeah.
2: So, you know, I'm singing all this, you know, uh, uh, I I don't mean anything bad by this, but caveman, heavy metal, you know, Judas Mm -hmm. Priest. Knuckle Dragon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, big, big beat rock. And I am talking about Priest and Maiden and Deep Purple and whatever, right? Just big four on the floor, right? Heavy, Sabbath, whatever, go, go, go. So by the time it's... You know, 81, 82 and crazy trains all over the radio. I was like, wow, this is, you know, shit starting to move around. And then and then, you know, what happens after that. In hearing these guys, because I joined Watchtower in May of 1982 and we did all the same covers. The first song I ever sang with Watchtower was uh, like it was in Billy White's bedroom uh, was Motorcycle Man by Saxon
1: oh wow you know that song i don't know that song but i know of saxon and i i have a great biff story Um, nice but but, uh but so that's that's weird because 82 i was 14 so i was just learning to play guitar at that point so i wasn't i wasn't as schooled i'm 54 now so i uh, so that would have been um, that would have been pre me really uh discovering underground metal
2: I'm four years older, so, oh, so the, fir-
1: the first time, thanks. You the hassled. first, time,
2: <laughs> the first time that w- I was, we were there to like, hey, we got some new songs and we wrote some lyrics and they hand me a sheet of paper with these lyrics and I'm going, you wrote this shit? And I'm reading this shit, and my mind is blown. And they're like, uh, they're like, see if you can, you know, just just we'll tell you when to start singing we'll tell you when to stop and i'm like okay okay sure you know uh and then some of the material some of the earlier material was a little little more uh caveman than uh than what we all what what the world knows to be watchtower right um but it was still like ripping you know to me it was fucking ripping yeah. So when you think about, you know, it was easier for me to sing the earlier Tower compositions because of the story I'm telling. But by the time, like, 84 and 85 came around and some of the songs that ended up on Energetic and then the demos I did before I split, uh, which would have been on the demo in 1987 with Instruments of Random Murder and Control and Resistance and the fall of
1: brilliant
2: the the shit that's on put it this way about six or seven of the songs that are on the second record that alan tecchio is on i those are my i wrote those those. yeah i I, I i wrote those melody lines and all that shit so here's a scenario just day in a life uh here's the lyrics okay Wow, that's fucking crazy. What time signature is that? And uh, oh, it's like 13-7 or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm, so, yeah. I'm like, hut, hut, you know, what? Yeah, 30, that's insanity. what? What are you talking about? They go, yeah, it's my neighbor's phone number. But anyway, you know, because those guys could pl- look up a phone number and play time signatures using someone's phone number. You know, yeah, it's, it's a five, it's a one, it's a two, it's a nine, it's a seven, it's a two, it's a, right? And that would be, they could write a song using someone's phone number. That's how fun
0: these guys are. Uh-huh. So
2: anyway, I, they hand me lyrics and they go, okay, I'm going to tap on your toe. So I'm standing with, with a microphone in my hand and a lyric sheet waiting for Billy to tap my toe with his foot. And that was the one. So Billy was guiding the way or was Doug? Or either one. The Either one. would It depends on what song it was. They're both
1: standout players, you know? And Yeah so i they
2: would they would would tell me where to come in and then where to stop and then after a while i was like i got it but you're not wrong because if you're reading the lyrics it's like you know it's flying by it would have to fly there's no melody when you just kind of like fanatically read it out
1: right well when you're phonetically. do you play music at all the guitar drums I, I, i do I do. I started
2: out playing bass when I was about 12. Okay. When I moved to Austin from South Texas, I was a bass player. I was not a singer. So So you had
1: an understanding, though. That's why I was trying to figure out how you Mm -hmm. were able to, no matter whether somebody was stepping on your toe or not, how the fuck you because things were coming and going real quick. There was no time for you to, to, to develop a melody.
2: Well, and no one was teaching me other than I was just learning frames and signatures as they flew in front of my face. And we rehearsed like four or five times a week.
1: Yeah, we did too. So that,
2: yeah, I mean, it was my reason for living. It's just oh, what I'm we really, fucking
1: did. I hated a day off of practice. I yeah. I loved going to our, we had a warehouse and yeah. we, we would write songs in front of a hundred people. It was, um, and, and wow. argue and, and almost get in fights with each other. And their drummer would click sticks, and we would play the fucking sickest fucking yeah. shit. People were like, oh, "Oh my god!" They thought we were gonna fight and kill each other. Yeah. And uh, that tension, I think, is important. Did you guys have that tension when you were writing? Uh,
2: not very often, but you know the the how fast Watchtower became a super tight unit. Uh, I think is at this, you know, was by '84. I mean, we were already you know starting to put that the energetic songs together and had stopped playing covers altogether and by well you know we would play like someone's private party and we would do all rush songs as a gag
1: you know do you have any of that on video oh yeah oh man it's on youtube it's on youtube yeah oh i need to check that out i think there's a
2: version of us playing free will oh rush on on come on but anyway, twenty one twelve. We did side one of twenty one twelve. That's all out there on on you. As Watchtower? Yeah.
1: Oh fuck, man. yeah. For, as early
2: as, early as when I'm talking about, like 85, eighty five, eighty six. So, yeah. You
1: know, I'm getting ready to go on tour with Cynic, right? Yeah, I know. So, you're so, gonna so, be, so you're we're going to be in as, Austin, like in like a week. Yeah, well, I didn't know whether you knew it was with Cynic or not, and, and yeah. Cynic is Cynic is closer to Watchtower by far than than we are. Like the the sound, especially early Cynic and. Um, and Paul Masvidal is, is one of the most brilliant guitar players in the game. And um, he actually wrote all the music for that 70s show. And yeah, he wrote a record with Jim Carrey, wow. uh, like a children's book. He wrote all the music for this um, children's book that Jim Carrey. He's just a brilliant
2: Oh, he's player. like a Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh.
1: So, but he lives for Watchtower
2: as well. You know who Mark is?
0: Well. Moth- like, you know I don't know who that is. I don't no, I don't, don't know who that is either.
2: That's the singer for Devo. <laughs> so the singer <laughs> he- for Devo, Mark Mothersbaugh. Uh, brilliant. is writes like he writes like the soundtrack for like nickelodeon shows oh, okay <laughs> like Rugrats and all that kind of shit he writes oh, he's getting paid he's fucking brilliant <laughs> and he's fucking weird and i love, love that. that combination oh
1: yeah yeah, yeah Paul, so paul's sound- that guy um he's yeah. um just a, a tremendous talent and um yeah. man i mean we uh you know I don't know, you know, I don't know how much you know how important you and that band are to so many of, you know, progressive metal, progressive extreme metal is a real force to be reckoned with these days. And, you know, Watchtower is the, is, is Greece. You know what I mean? When I say Greece, it's the fucking beginning of civilization for us. And um, this, this, this is something that is, uh, you know just means the world to me, Jason, because it's a, you know it's been 34 years or 35 years or so that since this band started and you know i i uh you know i'd love i'd love that i get to have this conversation with you and then you know it's like oh. it's like it's um it's just really important to me in my life because well wow. um, well you know how it is it's like yeah it, there's I, certain I bands that really just plug in that, that are absolutely fucking responsible for the inspiration of what became a career for myself and my friends yeah and i know that paul and the guys in cynic and sean reiner who's dead now as well sean malone's dead um both of those guys just you know you'll see watchtower shirts even chuck Scholdener watchtower yeah. shirt you know um he so went, many of the legendary people oh yeah like
2: championed was, watchtower till the end
1: and we still we still try to tell young kids about watchtower all the time We're like mm-hmm. you know what what? and i'm like just fucking google it man like that that yeah. That music and, and and the way you guys perform were just um just is still really untouchable, man. I mean, I, I don't know that there's anything Animals as Leaders is a new yeah. band. Have you ever heard them? Yeah,
2: yeah so, a lot of a lot of younger a lot of younger kids who got into whatever weirdo metal or whatever, you know, the shit we're talking about, uh, they they talk about that band a lot.
1: Oh man. Animals leaders are, are fucking brilliant, you know, but they yeah. come from, they come from cynic, atheist, watchtower, fucking, uh, I, I think that, you know, just just, um, it's important that young kids know yeah. where things come from. You know, history is very important. In order to yeah. know where things are going, you got to know where it's been. And uh, for us, Zappa, Watchtower, Spyrogyra, Jira, fucking Boy, Vod. level 42, yeah. No, actually, not Voivod was not, not Voivod. Not, really? Voivod I mean, was not a factor in Seneca or Atheist at all. Like for well, us, they, you know, what I
2: mean, they they have uh, you know, if to set take myself out of the. They're equation, a great
1: band, but don't, yeah, I'm they, not sliding them in any way. You know, I just
2: no, no, I know you're not, but they also created their own thing and their own yes, way sir. and their own face and their own. Yep, and, and it was I different. Feel, I feel like maybe Watchtower had that. Like that's why I'm trying to oh, yeah. separate myself a little bit because I'm. I'm talking about myself but the you know the the thing that they created became a thing and you know it, it's still going and they were able to whatever was thrown at them they were able to to overcome they were in it for the long haul and it's it was really hard for watchtower to sustain any of that uh so it's impressive to me that a band like watchtower would would start something arguably a pioneer. I, I say arguably because once again, I'm. Mm-hmm. it's my humble way of just saying, you know, I'm not trying to make it be
1: about me. Fuck that. I'd smack the shit out of somebody <laughs> that said it wasn't arguable. But, I mean, like, that's uh, but, how important the Watchtower is to this. And anybody who says different doesn't fucking understand. Right. And uh, that's just the way it is, man. So it is not arguable at all. It's, uh, it's a fact, man. And uh, well, you guys... I, you, you, you posted on Facebook that you guys were going to maybe do something new, right? You're going to you're going to come back and maybe play some shows?
2: We we're rehearsing tomorrow.
1: Oh my god, bro. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Holy shit. I would be I would love got to be a fly requests? on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be a fly on the wall for that fucking rehearsal. Well, Holy you know, shit, it's,
2: man. Uh, it's it's almost 11. I'll be I'll be in,
1: I'll be in yeah. Austin yeah. in a minute.
0: Yeah, you, you know I'm going to be in
1: Austin. Kelly's <laughs> coming
0: into town a little early. Catch oh, your, your flight you tomorrow, me?
1: you know. Listen, me and Paul Mosby, all both would fucking shit down our leg <laughs> to fucking sit at a watchtower fucking rehearsal, man. I mean, that would be a full circle moment that uh that would mean a lot to us. But anyway, I I just that excites me beyond. I mean, do you you do realize the marketability of that? Like, you could play the festival circuit right now, fucking play Vodka, and everyone would you would that shit would be booked instantly. Like,
2: yeah, um, Doug uh, Doug kind of. Like I, that, that post got, it was kind of like a secret, you know, disclosed, uh, you know, location. And I was, I was being all spy about it, you know, and, uh, and, that was
1: exciting for us to see that. Yeah, right?
2: I, I threw that photo out there and, you know, we were all goofing in the photo and having a great time playing songs. We wrote when we were children, I feel you. And, uh, Yeah and uh and i told doug about i said yeah this fucker like three days got over a thousand hits and and then rick was like of course it did people fucking never left that shit and i'm like wow it's crazy and doug was like wait what and i'm like and i'm like yeah and he rolled his eyes He was like oh maybe we shouldn't have done that and i'm like why the fuck
1: not fuck this not only not only should you should you do that but do it do it big i mean listen we went away for 14 years we broke up right. in '93, came back in 2005, yeah, and reissued the records. I covered my tattoo. I had already moved on with Neurotica. You and I played together with Godzilla Mode Company in Austin. Yeah. Like I was moving on to the rock world, and I actually That was like
2: what '99,
1: um, '98, 98. '98. 98, wow, yeah, yeah. So, um, so and I, I, um, you know, I I just think that uh, I, you know, you i i almost i almost landed the velvet revolver gig so i uh wow. i audition, i auditioned in 2003 and slash called me and i flew to la and, um, wow. and and did that gig and they had they'd gone through like 600 singers like i uh, listened wow. to all these tapes and and uh, i made that? it in i made it in wow. slash's book even i was like super excited about that i don't i don't wow. say that to boast i just say that as a fanboy you know like you were in anyway right. no, no, what's you're
0: that again you're in duff's book too and who I th- in Duff, McKagan. Oh, really? Yeah. No shit. I have it. I'll find it. Look at it. You, it. you, bro.
1: That's awesome. I, I fucking didn't know that. Yeah, but uh, fuck, man. I, I you know, I remember our manager, the Doug K., the guy that played in Big Machine with us, uh, he was a manager for Neurotica, and I, when I read Slash had put this post out that said, uh, there are no real rock singers in, in rock and roll anymore, and I was like, fuck you. I fucking called yeah. Doug, and I was like, send him the, the Neurotica, because we had just broken up. And uh, he was like, oh, come on, dude. He's like, uh, you know, he's in L.A. He's got the fucking cream of the crop of all this thing. And I said, so? Shits and wipes his ass like everybody else. Fucking send him the CD. If he doesn't like it, he didn't like it. Right. Fucking three days later, man, I'm sitting in a bar having shots, and fucking uh, I missed the call. And I checked my voicemail, and it's like, hey, Kelly, it's Slash. Uh, me and Duff just sat and listened to this record. And it's like, you know, this classic moment. I was like, "So I'm sitting with these guys. I was like, you're never going to fucking – guess who just left a voicemail for me and right. I let everybody listen to it, you know, and I was so excited about it. But oh, that's uh
2: pretty great man.
1: Oh, it was unbelievable. And um and so he he uh got on the phone with me and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna send you three songs. At that point it was just called The Project. Mm-hmm. And um Izzy Stradlin was still involved at that point. Wow. So to me it was like fucking holy shit. You know, what a what a weird moment uh, that nobody would track, ever expect.
2: Did you track those songs?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I was so I so I, they sent me three songs, and uh, they weren't very good songs. I'm just saying, uh, I know that that's they sent hard. me the bunch. That's, that's no, hard. they had 36 songs written. I feel yeah. like they sent me the three worst, and that was smart of them. It were not too They well, they they wanted to see what I could what I could make out of shit, you know. And um, because I've heard the other songs, and I wish I would have had a crack at fucking um, you know some of the songs a while and had an opportunity yeah. to do. So I go out there, and I I feel like. And maybe you can relate to this a little bit. I so I did the three songs and uh in the studio sent them back to them and Duff and Slash called me on a conference call and said, Come to LA, dude, sounds fucking awesome. I was like, get the fuck out of here. So off I go to LA and Matt Sorum picks me up and uh and I'm riding with Matt Sorum and you know, and again, I'm an underground metal kid, so uh, but I always had respect for Guns N' Roses. I always felt like out of all those bands in that in the hair days. They had fucking balls. They had moxie, oh, yeah. you know, and and uh, yeah. and I had respect for them. And so did metal. And Skid Row was another band that also had that same moxie. Yep. Like if you were a hardcore metal kid, you still had to respect Skid Row. They they were delivering, man. And uh, so yeah. and I always felt that way about that. And uh, so I uh, we went to Mates in L.A. I'm sure you've been there before. Yeah. Um, rehearsal and Thin Lizzy was rehearsing there. Uh, Sebastian Bach was there uh, as well, and he ended up being one of the guys who thought he was going to get the gig. Oh. And so, so Rolling Stone ran this article. So it was Travis Meeks from Days of the New, myself, um, oh God, who was, there was four of us, uh, Travis oh, I Meeks.
2: forgot all about Days of the New.
1: God, they were great. That first album was so fucking good, man. So anyway, it was him, um, Sebastian, myself, and, and uh, God damn it. Um, there was somebody else and, uh, Rolling Stone runs this article. It's like a two page article. And, uh, so I just... It's the greatest audition that I never got. And, uh, I, I, uh, so- I ate, uh,
2: I, I went to, it was like day before Thanksgiving. It was probably like 1990, I think. Uh, and, uh, I went to Duff's house. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was dating, uh, someone who was friends with his wife at the time. And we went over there and he was fucking wasted. <laughs> he's and relieved. uh yeah he's lucky to be was, alive and it was just yeah and it was just us he had a little house on uh mulholland drive i believe and and uh yeah it was it was crazy he had a dog named chester and i remember him all fucked up singing my buddy my buddy to his dog and i'm like whoa this is a and i walk in and i think his wife's name was megan and they had all all the multi platinums just it was just wallpaper right Yeah. and he was like ah fuck all that <laughs> you know humble and i'm like and i'm yeah. like no dude it's pretty rad actually yeah. <laughs> yeah and he's going yeah my wife just insists that that stuff i said yeah give it a minute
1: <laughs> but those things are valuable you know i mean like uh when you when, when you look up and you treasure somebody and they acknowledge you it's you know it's nice man you know and i don't i don't mind i don't try to hide that and pretend like it it doesn't matter to me it's a big fucking deal well this this to to me me is a big deal jason
2: well and i was right now like i was just gonna go full circle the the fact that that joe kind of brought us together so we could shoot the shit and tell stories and and basically have a campfire (laughs) I think is, I think is incredible. And the story you just told, I mean, you're, you're telling me your, 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 you know, your watchtower belief, Uh, you know, you're a true believer. And so you're telling, you're telling me like this, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's the same story uh, with me hearing you say that because I have the same respect for you
1: so it's kind of That that, that's amazing i i uh full circle thank you joe thank you for doing this buddy yes this is this is perfect
0: this is exactly what i was expecting i wasn't expecting i needed to do a lot of talking because i know you both (laughs) (laughs) like to talk and i knew kelly how big of a fan you were jason i know my respect of you yeah i mean and jason you even said before kelly got on he's like i have a lot of questions for kelly
1: I well, can't believe that. I can't even believe that you know who the fuck I am, first of all. Well, uh, well, I was going to
0: remember Remember when I was
2: talking about the the old fanzines and how I'm licking stamps and sending out cassette tapes and shit. I, I, I wondered how y- the Florida scene, because I was I was kind of when I heard nasty savage, you know, when I heard they were the, very that, important that ho- yes they are and yeah. they're early they're sort of uh, a pioneering band from from the area and hugely
1: uh, important to the yeah, Tampa metal and, scene
2: and so 83 84 they're already in Texas playing because they had airplay i mean Joe Anthony down in San Antonio uh was playing their their fucking wage of mayhem demo on the air and San Antonio metal freaks were going what the fuck is this so He played it every weekend and so it just became this whole thing and so uh there were some people caught wind of it and they booked some shows in austin and san antonio and houston and there was these guys out of houston they called themselves the doom society and they were just this group of people that were basically a group of tape trading nerds right and and they were all about it and they were at all of the texas shows it was like this texas you did some
1: shows together didn't you
2: the texas wage of mayhem tour or something like that didn't
1: watchtower in that i
2: I did not no Uh, really everybody thinks that the the myth and the lore of what i'm speaking of here uh is is that watchtower was on the bill and it's not true it's Hmm. there's a band called militia i don't know if you remember a thrash band from austin called militia that's okay so Militia was on all of the the nasty dates, and they're from Austin, so they've, of course, played the Austin show, and they played the San Antonio show, and they did the Houston show, and there were other locals on the bill and those respective. Militia did them all. And there was one in Houston that might have been with like San Antonio Slayer and or or Hellstar or something I, I can't even remember it with but it was like 84 or 85 or something. And there's a, a Militia just reissued all of their old demos on this beautiful vinyl and I wish I had my copy. It's it's at Mike the singer's house. I'm still he's still my greatest friend. And they somebody just reissued this beautiful of all the Militia demos. Anyway, there's a, like a book, there's a booklet inside and the, the 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 centerfold is a picture from Consolidated Arts Warehouse in Houston, Texas where uh Ronnie had pulled me and Mike on stage and we're all three like it's it's like Ronnie it's like Ronnie, Mike and me and we're all in this big bear hug and we're thrashing we're all headbanging <laughs> thrashing on stage during a nasty song on stage at this show and it's there's a pit it's just the greatest moment in time. When I look at the photo, I weep. And that's inside this booklet. So that's how important uh, Nessie Savage is. Now, back to my point where I was basically saying I was looking to Florida early on and, and trying to figure out when did, how did... Uh, young kids such as yourself, probably skateboard, punk rock, heavy metal, fuck the whole thing, living in Florida, start to have this budding metal scene as early as 82, 83, 84, hear about this little band from Watchtower that was no one at the time. We were We were playing keg parties in people's backyard.
1: We were 18, 19 years old. It was tape trading, though. It was That's, okay. tape trading. Absolutely, 100% tape trading. Wow. Um, that's that's uh, that was everything back then. And Nasty Savage taught us that Nasty that's- Savage is so fucking important and and is so understated in the Tampa Bay metal scene that it's it's criminal. And I yeah. David Austin is my good friend now. And, did, <clears throat> you know, did, and, you hear, and, uh,
2: did you hear that I'm. I'm, ma- I'm making a record with him right now. You no, know, I
1: fucking did, buddy. You know <laughs> I, did. I did. You know I. I uh, okay. And that just makes me smile in my heart, man, because Good. I me know too. what it means. To, I know what it means to David, and I know what David means to me. And yeah. and so let me tell you about the David Austin thing. I, as a young man, would go to the Sunset Club and fucking and we would all Morbid Angel, Obituary, everybody was there to see Nasty Savage. They were the first guys to show us, hey. You don't have to play covers, make your own fucking music, get a record deal. Ben would sell records out of the back of his big blue fucking car that he had. We always looked at those guys and we would go to those shows. And that was in the days where nobody, punk rock had not infused itself into metal. So mm. nobody ever moshed. It was, we would just pile on each other and headbang. Everybody yeah. would just fucking headbang. So it, was, it wasn't a violent thing. It was just this camaraderie of headbanging and watching Ronnie and his heyday smashing TVs and and Dave rolling his eyes back in his head and fucking, and they were, and I tell Dave still this, to this day, we, you know, played with him on two occasions, but we would go to the shows all the time and always come back to our warehouse inspired, because musically they were fucking, they had a bass player called Dezo Bartha, who was just a, a huge inspiration to Roger Patterson as well, along with Duck wow. Heiser, so, so Dezo Bartha was like a fucking, they were just more technical than people ever getting the credit for, because Ronnie's vocals were very high and uh and and there was a lot of theatrics so not a lot yeah. of people paid attention to the the mechanics of the the quality of nasty savage music and the harmonies the cool weird harmonies that they had between yeah. ben and david and uh so i um i ended up when when in 2010 when jupiter came out our fourth album it was the first album that we had done in 14 or 15 years and david austin wrote me a letter and said I can't stop playing this fucking song by. He was just, I can't. I'm paraphrasing, but he was just so complimentary, and I was like, "You have no idea what this. Like, you are my fucking. Like, you. I can't believe you're writing me right now, telling me this, right? And so anyway, we became friends and talked, and uh, and and are still really, really good friends beyond music. And I just have so much respect for him. And I, I, had to try to explain to him, like, you have to make music, David. You have to continue. You can't stop playing music. And, um, I, you, you, know, your, your style is so unique and weird and you were so important to maybe the other bands won't shout you out because it's different than, you know, the deep guttural sure. shit, but they all, they showed us how to fucking do it. Um, and they did it in a different way than sabotage, which was a very popular band in Florida.
2: Yep. They, I love they, sabotage. They,
1: yep. yep. And, and they, they're owed uh, a lot of credit, but that was, that was still a little fluffy for us, we we needed we needed a little dirty and grimier. and Nazi Savage showed us, hey, this is fucking pack clubs, and and we were just all. I mean, I remember walking through those clubs, and legends of today's metal were all kids walking through there. You know, uh, Morbid Angel, Massacre, um, you know, Atheist, or, just all all of us were just Obituary. Before we Obituary was called Executioner, we were called Ravage. I mean, really, we were really really young. Yeah. they just showed us that hey man you can do this you can play your own music stand on two legs of your own and get a record deal and that's what we strive for and um they they really led the way in that and they don't get any credit in that
2: um no they realized that they didn't they didn't like they didn't want to be part of the world that already existed so they created their own
1: sure did man yeah. and uh and the theatrics of ronnie were, were just unlike he's, anything else, he's,
2: uh, he's off the chain. He's a, there's only one of that guy, yeah, you know, this, he, he broke the mold when they made that guy. They, yeah. they they're not lying.
1: The guy is unbelievable. Boy, their shows were, were uh, legendary. I mean, they yeah. were just, and I, I, some of the funnest times of my life at a show, probably some of my funnest shows I've ever been to, a NASA Savage show. So yeah, it's great that you, that you're doing something with him now, because I know what it means to him. And I know I, what it I, means I, I called, you know, I, me, you know. I called me. I called me. and you I, need to do a song together. Yeah, so I'm gonna write something, it. and you better fucking sing on it because I'll make my fucking world, man. You know. That Let crazy. me check
2: my email. No, you hadn't cool. sent it yet. What's the holdup?
1: <laughs> so, so, so. I
2: mean, David sent me some rough stuff already, and uh, it's, it's 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 fucking crazy shit.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it's crazy sounding. So, because I know he has a love of like roots, like UFO and. And, and and that kind of well, shit is it like that I, or is it I, modern?
2: Well, I can't really say anything other than uh, there was a lot of harmonies and jagged parts, so it's it's weird. Wow! I in the way that you. he would want someone like me to sing
1: on it. So where are you at vocally these days? Because I mean, we're both in our fifties. I, I know yeah. that I, you know, I'm a different man than I was in my twenties. Yeah. Um, how do how do, how do you how do you how do you, uh, how do you rise to the occasion? Uh, You Don't do drugs or you don't smoke pot or you don't smoke cigarettes. You don't drink. No,
2: I, I, Jason don't party. I'm no fun (laughs) at all. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: That that means you got a way better voice than all of us.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I, I, um, I've learned a lot by, by, uh, taking my own medicine. And what I mean by that is I've been teaching for a long time now. And, uh, so, you, you know, just realizing, the things that I had to realize uh, as a singer who's aging and voice changing, and you know, going from doing what I did in the early days in Watchtower to uh, av- actually having to sing in in you know in in you know better pitch and and have groove and write hooks and you know with the dangerous toys, thing. dangerous toys,
1: yeah, shit I had to funny. really
2: learn. I had to really learn how to you know. Sing a rock and roll song as opposed to you know instruments of random murder, which is just like yeah, machine yeah. gun syllables and crazy. You know, uh,
1: <laughs> more like that song is still stuck in my head. But mind you, like you know, which one? It's it, uh, hey man, I think I like this oh, <laughs> I mean, I you know that's yeah. that's thirty plus years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, I up. and, and I don't out. come from that world, so. So right. for, for a death metal kid to have that, that hook stuck in my head like that, uh, you know, it says a lot about you, you know, it's like, a, and I, and a I, re- song. yeah, it's a fucking great song. Great song. <laughs> That's it. At the end of the day, a good song is a good song. Yeah. So, it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter. Why any. don't you go out and do some of that anymore?
2: Oh, I do. Are we done? Uh, Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. We're playing, um, we're playing oh, in August. We've got, yeah, we've got three or four shows. We're oh, doing nice. Austin. We're doing the, the whiskey, uh, we've got some stuff, and uh, so how in, do you
1: handle that material now? You feel comfortable with it?
2: Oh yeah, we're still standard tuning. I hit all the notes. Yeah, you fucker. Well, I have to. Uh,
1: well, I know, but I that doesn't to. mean what well, have to and being able to are two different things, my man.
2: Well, th- I like as like I was <laughs> saying, I, I really have to take. I have to rely on on you know what being healthy what I do. Yeah, I have to rely on what discipline. I discipline the shit I'm selling to my students, you know, yeah. it's, good for it's, you, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm man. not,
1: dude. I'm still in that fucking Jager bomb drinking, smoking. I'm still in that fucking world, well, man. And uh, let's talk I'm about, proud of it, but it's just, well, this let's where talk I'm at, about man.
2: that. It's conditioning, you know, it's, it's, we, it, if as long as you can do uh, your songs justice and, and uh, put on the show that you need to be putting on and not kill yourself doing it. Like, how do you feel when you do a couple in a row, couple shows in a row, three shows in a row, four in a row? How do you feel vocally?
1: No, I I do thirty in a row. Yeah, but um, my point—that's my. How point. do I feel how, uh, yeah. when I come when I come home? So here's the thing, Jason. I I um I am a creature of um adrenaline. So on the on tour, I can go go go. But as soon as I come home and I stop, I, I fucking crash. I mean, I I can't talk for a week. I can't. uh, I feel like shit. But it's like getting in a fight. It's like you you, you, uh, you fight. If somebody punches you in the face and you're in a bar fight, you fight and you don't think about, oh, God, I'm out of breath. You just fight, fight, fight. And so I do that on tour. It's not healthy, though. At at this point, I'm 54. I've got to find a better way of getting through this. Now, I'm getting ready to do the same kind of tour where I'm doing uh, 30 shows in a row at 54 fucking years old. Nineteen so, songs, ninety-minute set.
2: Yeah, I've never done
1: it. a ninety-minute set, so, so I'm so going to learn do, a lot about myself uh, on this upcoming tour. You know? So doing, but I so also do, don't have to hit those notes you hit, though. <laughs>
2: that I yeah, that, that it doesn't matter. They're just notes. Oh
1: no, those are it's, fucking. Uh, that's well, you have to note.
2: you have to think about your own kung fu. That you know, I mean, I do what I do, and it's conditioning, and I'm used to doing it. But there's a certain way that I do it. If I get too, here's an example. If I get too excited and just be over just completely get overwhelmed by what's happening in the room. And let's say it's sold out and it's just the craziest mayhemic world, and I'm so happy, and I'm just like totally going for it. If I'm not paying attention to what it is I'm doing, I will blow my voice out. So over the years, I've had to learn to not get so excited. Yeah. And and stay hard. calm hmm. and sing the song without over pushing don't push so hard don't sing so loud let you know turn your monitors up all of these uh technical things that you don't think about when you're young and bulletproof right as a as an older gent now i have to really think about it and i think that that's the longevity that i've been able to keep being able to play those songs in the in the right watchtower dangerous toys whatever it's all this it's all standard tuning it's all i'm hitting all the notes it's all still there now in watchtower it's really hard to stay in control because of that crazy music you just want to roll around oh on God. the floor and look like a maniac
1: yeah.
2: and and the last couple of rehearsals that we did that you're aware of because you saw my post um you know after a few songs we're starting to get into our old shoes again and run around and jack with each other while we're playing the songs and everything And then we'll, you know, after a few more songs, you know, Doug and Ron will both be like, man, these songs are hard to play.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Are you kidding me? What an understatement, man. It's just hilarious
2: to hear these guys who, you know, wrote the shit uh, or were just used to being able to rolling around on the floor and not missing a note at all. Yeah. uh, Are now, you know, it's like, damn, this is like, whoa, I'm dizzy. This is crazy. I don't even know if I was playing the right part, you know. It's the same thing. It's like, Hey, you know, slow it down a little bit so you can hit all the right notes. But it's more of like, you know, you don't have to like, you know, it's not real blood. You can use fake blood. You can put on the same show. You don't do have you to actually, you don't have to actually really hurt yourself to let oh, no. them go. Oh my God, Jason. He was really going for it. No. Now they say, damn, he's an old man and he's still singing those high notes. See what I mean? That's the yeah, same so, compliment. That's do you know Todd Latore?
1: Who? You know Todd Latore from Queens right? I, I, I do. I have re- yeah.
2: recently befriended him. I've had him on my talk, on my uh, my podcast a couple times. Man, you, he doesn't warm, up. Todd, do warm up. Todd, how do you warm up? Todd, oh, how do you warm up? A coffee and a smoke.
1: Ah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta. That makes me, that makes me a little happy. I'm sorry. Do you, Man, do you know, there's Todd? guilty pleasure with that. Oh yeah, yeah, I you, know Todd,
2: yeah. Todd yeah yeah and yeah
1: he's uh he's a Bradenton kid he came from uh you know the next town over from me and uh yeah came with Crimson Glory obviously and the, yeah. those guys were, were good friends of ours we practiced two yeah. days or two warehouse bays away from Crimson Glory in the early days of Crimson Glory and okay, before yeah. we got signed so I used to hear Midnight sing every night nice I, oh my god
2: that's a legend man that's what, you're talking a, like Jesus you need Christ. to write a book you need to write a book just he, about your what your ears heard and what your eyes saw oh man he 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 would
1: uh i remember them doing jawbreaker oh uh, yeah. fuck man i i wish i you know i wish people could have heard i miss him you know man was a he's a tortured guy man but what a beautiful man and what a fucking uh unbelievable voice and so i just feel like todd is todd's like this superhero. Who, I don't know how the fuck he does it, man. And a killer drummer. Yeah, he's a and
2: he's a, a uh, nice
1: person, super forced talented, to be,
2: forced to be reckoned with. the The story on how, since you know Todd, I, I like to tell this story. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I saw Queensryche support Judas Priest a couple of times early last year, whatever, right. And uh, I, I here here in the area, I saw him in North in well, it's called Cedar Park, but it's North Austin. And then I went down to San Antonio and saw him too. And I saw him because he's running his own social media. And I just saw, and I'm like, oh shit, that's the Queensrÿke dude. And I yeah. I just tweeted, I just tweeted at him. I threw something at him. And I I just saw you destroy Central Texas support priest. I, I don't that was unbelievable. Me and my friends. Won't shut up about it. Fucking kudos, you know. Yay, that was so incredible. Man, great, great hearing those songs done with power and and so good. Dude,
1: he opens with Queen of the Right. Yeah,
2: yeah. So fuck he sake, re- man. he reached right back out to me. He was like, "Dude, I I go. Oh, I think I may have led with you. Don't know who I am. I'm just random. I just but I just wanted to say, you I know who the fuck saw, you are. Just saw you play live, and he comes back and he's like." I knew who you are. I was, <laughs> like, you are. <laughs> I was in like 10th grade, and me and my buddies went to, the, went to a dangerous toys cult concert in Florida. And we saw you. I saw you when I didn't have pubic hair. <laughs> Some shit yeah, like he's that. He's another
1: he's another great talent that's uh like yourself, just unassuming and humble and
2: sent me his well, num- yeah. sent me his number. I gave him a call. Great guy. And and I was like dude, this is crazy. And he was like, right. And he just wanted to go, dude, I just wanted to tell you that, Oh, I know he was at the studio working with Zeus. You know, that producer Zeus. I don't, he were, he works. I think he records his solo record with uh, this guy, Zeus who's done shadows fall and all kinds oh, okay. of modern metal shit. Yeah. And, uh, and he tells the story. He's like sitting there and he's like, Holy shit. He's in the studio with Zeus. And he's like, Holy shit. The, Jason McMaster from dangerous toys. Just, like you you think he knows who I? he didn't think he's like dude that's the guy from watchtower or something like that so that yeah, whole like, thing oh, came, came back amazing. full circle too but we were on the phone for an hour like two 12 year old girls hanging out at the mall <laughs> and we we started talking about singing and styles and i said dude i gotta have you on my podcast man we gotta talk about this shit. and he's like fuck yeah. So we had like a the the first episode we did with Todd. We were on there three hours. It's a three hour episode, and we're just talking about shop. We're just talking shop and about technique and. Brief. We just
1: did ninety minutes, my friend. You know. Well, you, you uh, I I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew
2: that was going to happen. And I, yeah. I I I I do feel bad that Joe's just sitting there going, Holy shit. No, this
0: know. is exactly what I was I was hoping for because I love hearing <laughs> I know, the stories. I love hearing you two talk about this stuff. It's there's so much and fantastic. I haven't even
1: I haven't even fully I haven't even gone into oh my god, the the uh, you know, just how uh how important it was to and I can't wait for people to watch this. Um I can't wait for atheist fans to watch this because I mm. know how important Watchtower is to all of the the true old school, um, prog extreme metal fans, and uh, yeah, so I it would be like if I were watching, um, I don't know, uh, fucking uh, Robert Fripp and Getty Lee hang out and fucking have a chat, I'd be like, wow, yeah, that would, that, I, but, and hold on, I, I don't mean that to be like <laughs> uh, assuming that we're anywhere in that, fucking no. room. but you know what I'm saying, like, I do, those I two know. minds talking would be like so interesting to me because I just have yeah. so much respect for both of those guys. So I know that other kids watching this are gonna be like uh, watching us, uh, you know, just uh, have so much admiration for each other. And, and uh, it's just, you know, it's one of the greatest things about getting old, Jason, is that um, that you can, you know, that you can, I can, uh, I don't know, just it, there, there's, a, I'm sure that you feel the same way that sometimes you lay in bed at night and you think, Fuck, man, I wish I was 29 again, you know, she could just start this over again. then other times you go, I wouldn't trade this for the world. You know, like I love being 54 and I I I say that
2: more, I say that more often. I I, I say, I don't want to go back with all of the shit I had to go through and, and learn about myself. Sure. The experiences that I, that I, that I have. I wouldn't want to go back. Sure. Are there embarrassing moments? Fuck yeah. Are there, did I make bad decisions? Fuck yeah, I made bad decisions. Can't, do I have the power to live in regret of this or to not live in regret? Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. And it's good good to be 50. You
2: don't want to go back and say, I would do these things different. Well, you don't learn shit if you did everything perfect the first time.
1: That's right. Listen, life is about mistakes, you know. I mean, that's life right. is. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, that's what that's what helps you build your snowball. You know, it rolls yeah. down the hill and collects snow, and um, and it, it, at the bottom of the hill is is where it's at, and that's where we are. We're at the bottom of the fucking hill, and our snowballs are big. And uh, yeah, the I like rest, it, of, man.
2: The rest of this shit is free.
1: Yeah. <laughs> let me
0: let me ask you guys this, because like, I can ask both of you because you're both kind of the same situation coming from that that watchtower and atheist into a dangerous toys and neurotica which is a totally different scene uh, yeah is that a yeah like extreme ex,
2: as... extreme to a hard rock
0: yeah, yeah was, was to... that i mean was that a hard transition for you guys personally
2: i was saying i want to go first because yeah. like i was saying a minute ago I'll just touch on that for memory purpose it, it was weird singing this techno thrash and then singing something with like you know uh, uh a major scale melody with a hook it, with harmonies on it uh over something that's you know 120 bpms
1: or slower or a right. shuffle
2: beat or a groovy thing or you know and kelly can say the same thing
1: well uh, i had two different vocal styles so i had to go i had to come from a world that hates fucking clean vocals so right. I, you oh, know, yeah. yep. atheist yep. was like very screamy and very creatorish, and and yeah. uh, and and then to, I remember j- starting in Neurotica, and I literally sometimes would turn around, I would face the drummer, I was so terrified. And if you look at Neurotica, Joe, you know this. I used to wear sunglasses on stage because I was so concerned about um, ext- my extreme metal people fucking laughing at me in the crowd. I, I would look out, and I could see two people like talking to each other in their ear at, a, at an outdoor show and feel like they were they were fucking laughing at me. So I put sunglasses on so that Not to me Not just any
0: sunglasses.
1: Yeah, big ass fucking sunglasses. <laughs> and I uh and, and that to me was my protection, my shield from okay. that. And so it was really hard for me to go from that yeah! to yeah. singing harmonies and melodies and yeah. um so that was a little different uh because you still took your if, if anything it was um you refined your high quality and all the range that you had, and you honed it into songwriting skills and, and hooks. And, uh, you know, you wrote a hit song. You wrote a a song that is a fucking legit hit song to this day. Like, I don't have, you know, I don't have that. So it's, um, you know, uh, I, you know, and I just having the two vocal styles were, were, was really weird for me. For you, I, I would imagine it was two different genres of music. So, you know, going to. Yeah, to it-
2: it was more about, dangerous toys. I, I get, I get that. And I, I hear you, uh, and I want to comment on the story you just told about your, your shield and, and the, the people talking, that, you know, I uh, have, I have some feelings about that and some reflection. Um, it was more for me, you're not wrong, because in Watchtower, I didn't really do gutturals or, you know, it wasn't too uh, hardcore, for lack of a better terminology. Uh, but using my chest voice properly on scared, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm singing melodic in my chest voice and not in my mixed voice or my screechy, yeah. you know, angry Getty Lee thing, which is what I did most of the, my painkiller, like the painkiller throat. You know, yeah. like Rob Howford, just torque. Right out
1: of, <laughs> tons of <laughs> singing, torque, yeah.
2: singing entire songs up there for yeah. two hours. You know, was Same. What I, was what I was used to. Uh, so you know, coming down into my chest and literally having to use this in a proper way was was tough. Bad. Uh, and that's really what I what I meant. Now the whole the whole thing about sort of like changing hats. Kind of thing stylistically and having enough of a footprint with your previous group and then being in a different light on a different bill with different kinds of bands and yeah. just different a, fans different light different attitude different world um that i that was fun for me i that didn't really i, I was unaffected by that but you know that i got some shit for leaving watchtower yeah Sure. You know, that, you know that I did. So I, I remember standing in, in clubs and having like being ganged. Well, I, I'm being dramatic, but two or three dudes standing there going, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, like challenging my decision, you know, like the fuck are you doing? What do you think? Oh, yeah.
1: Doing? Yeah. And that was before social media. So imagine if you yeah. had done that, if yeah. you made that transition during yeah. the uh, the height of social media like it is oh, now. Man. You would have taken more blows to the face. And That's I right. I um, you know, when Neurotica still take blows to the face over that shit. People still um, you know, so I I auditioned for do you remember that show um on um uh, it was on ABC with Tommy Lee and Jason Newstead and uh, what was it called? Uh Supergroup uh, was
0: it Supergroup? I it was Supergroup uh, or something. Like
1: it was it was Kobe Tommy Park, Lee. No, it was it was the Rock, guy Rockaway that it was the guy that did Survivor or or um, oh my God, what is it called? Rockstar Supernova.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Rockstar. Okay. Supernova.
1: Big fucking network television show. Okay. So Gilby Clark calls me, uh, and I you know so Benji Gordon was a guy that was that. So we signed with WWE and Vince McMahon and SmackDown with Neurotica. So that was a big fucking deal. It was a huge uh, a huge departure from the underground world that I was accustomed to with Neurotica uh and with atheist and so with Neurotica we're moving on we're doing that and and uh so Benji Gordon was one of the guys guys from Columbia he actually worked with Jeff Buckley and I love that because I love Buckley so much you must love Buckley right
2: I what I've heard I don't own it I may have one record oh my god and his voice is beautiful
1: unbelievable listen do me a favor there's a live record called Live at Sine and it's him in a coffee shop in New York on Monday nights and it's just him and his he's playing guitar and singing and it's the one of the just one of the greatest vocal performances you'll ever fucking hear in your life just beautiful so anyway right. um he worked with Buckley he used to have to go pick him up and bring him to the to the uh, to the studio while they were working on Grace okay and, uh, which is a fucking legendary a- album and um, so so he calls me and he goes hey man you should do this rock star supernova it's, t- it's Tommy Lee Jason Newsted Gilby Clark they're looking for a singer and they're going to do it with the guy that does Survivor, well, the the producer of Survivor. And it's going to be on network television. I was like, I don't want to fucking be in a cattle call, man. I, You know, I mean, that's just I, the idea of standing in line with a bunch of people. I don't really, he's no, 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 uh, Gilby knows who Neurotica is. And I was like, what? And so fucking Gilby Clark fucking reaches out to me and I'm like, wow. Well, now, now I have, now I have to go. So, so I, this is during the big machine time, Joe. Mm-hmm. I remember it. So we played that show in Sarasota. So I take, um, I'm singing a show and I take the microphone poof, and I knock my front tooth out. Two days before I'm supposed to go fucking on this TV show, you know, like I knock my front tooth out. So I'm like, I can't go. So I call the producer. I'm like, uh, uh, I, I, I knocked my tooth out. I Can I send you a video there? No, no, no. You got to show up. So now I got to show up and guess who? Play, guess who sang before me? Jeff Scott Soto holy shit (laughs) for fuck's sake you know so he and i and and they're all doing great oh he is is still fucking great always was always will be man like that guy's fucking great i knew who the fuck he was i was like there's no way i'm getting this gig uh and i i I, i've tried so hard and i go to do my audition and i did two neurotica songs everybody else was doing cover songs i did a a song called ride of your life which is has this middle part it's like Pick sound, make it just put around, better better now, gotta be better. And it was like this really fast, kind of scatty part. And uh they were Newstead loved it. He was like, fuck, man, it's amazing. So I'm like, trying to fucking hide the fact <laughs> yeah. that my front tooth didn't, you know, like and I got fuck, man. Um, so I uh so I go home to Benji Gordon's house that night and wait for the callback. And so I get the call back and I go back to the studio the next day, and guess who's not there? Just got Soto. Didn't get the call back. I was like, get the fuck out of here, man. Wow. So, so now I'm getting a little worried because I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if I want this gig. I don't know, I don't know if this is gig. because it was right on the heels of Atheist making a comeback. So uh, I've had all these weird moments where I'm where I'm at odds with uh, opportunity and what I'm afraid people might think. So the same thing happened with Velvet Revolver. I thought, oh my god, if I get Velvet Revolver, how am I going to explain this to the Death Metal kids? They're never going to forgive me. You know what I mean? And that's a weird place to be, like in your career where. And you felt that with Watchtower going to Dangerous Toys, I'm sure, like what you're just saying. So There was a
2: little bit of that. Even though I championed Watchtower the entire time, I helped them find a replacement singer. I just, I went out of my way to bring... You and Tecchio
1: were friends? Yeah. yeah?
2: That's how they hooked up.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: Are you still friends?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How is he? How is
2: that guy? This is his book. He's got a book called, he's got a series of books called Jersey Metal... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh so he's he's uh man, he's doing great. Uh he's still Does he he's still got range? Yeah, oh yeah. He's cool. still singing a little bit. Fuck uh, both of you. Did you get the Watchtower? <laughs> Did you get the third Watchtower record?
1: Tell or, me the name of it.
2: Second one with Allen. Oh shit, I don't know. It's got a blue <laughs> cover. I'm not on it, so I don't need to know what the fuck it is. <laughs> Uh, I gotta be
1: honest, man. I, I, I didn't, didn't...
2: it's called concepts of math or something like that. No,
1: no, no. I didn't listen to that. Yeah. He sounds great on it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a McMaster fucking loyalist, Uh, you know, no disrespect to Alan Takio, but I remember listening to, to Takio and being like, uh, it just, when you did it, it sounded, it sounded like it needed to sound when, and I don't mean again. I don't mean any disrespect to, to, but to us as young kids, when we listened to Techie would do it, it sounded contrived. It sounded more contrived. It sounded like he was really trying to force his way in there into the conversation. Okay, you, that's just how it felt to us. I'm just you're, keeping it real.
2: You're, you're getting you're getting into um, something that I have uh, that that I that's in my head, and I I didn't like it. I don't like it that it's in my head. Um, that when. You know, he's a scenario is, and I have a video that I play in my brain of Alan Techie on the plane to Berlin to record Control and Resistance after like two rehearsals. And he's listening, like, I, I don't know, in, in my head, he's got a Walkman on with shitty little ear, ear you know, earphones. And, and he's listening to a Sony Walkman on the, the demo stuff and the energetic tunes and, uh, you know, Instruments of Random Murder and Fall over, Re- And he's learning my yeah. shit. Right. So he's going over there to record things that I, that are my intellectual property. And that's fine. That's fine. That's not the the dig. Uh, The dig is, is when control and resistance came out and you're, and you you've alluded to when you heard that record without me on it, you had a reaction. I did. Uh, Yeah. Well, uh, and a lot of people did, and I'm not even throwing rocks at Alan. I think he, he sounds great. But I think that it's it, it is different, yeah. right? No question. So, so by way by way of uh, describing that uh, and living that, while I'm out promoting this thing called Dangerous Toys and having a fucking blast, and the record is selling, and it's yeah, I'm touring with video and
1: MTV. Yeah, I mean like all I'm the good tour,
2: shit. On tour with my idols and all the good shit. It, it's great uh I'm 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 still championing Watchtower. I'm wearing Tower shirts on stage, and I'm 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 the first one to bring it up in an interview with Cream Magazine, and blah blah blah. I I'm from afar, uh, like uh, like almost like I'm pining to hear something of of Watchtower and the new record, uh. No one is talking about energetic disassembly or the 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 band before control. Like it's almost like, in my mind, and this is all in my head. And I I had to re I had to get a fucking grip, and realize that it's it's that's on me. It's in my head. I'm I'm building that wall, and it's my regret and my guilt. Not really though.
1: Because we all felt it too.
2: Well, well, hold, well, hold on, because uh, people didn't think that there was anything. Have you heard this new band, Watchtower? Yeah, this is the greatest record. This is incredible. And I'm like, yeah, I used to be the singer in that band, and these young kids would go, what the "Fuck, are you talking about? You're in this fucking <laughs> glam pussy bass band? That's what do you brutal, you man?" Doing? And I'm like, yeah, a whole decade. Before wow. that record, I was in that band. Yeah. and they're like what? So when I realized it's not really their fault and that no one went out and like energetic Shh, don't don't talk about any of that. that's yeah. it was all in my head. I want to bring it back around a little bit. You know those big glasses that you wore? Yes sir. this is my this is my segue. So how it was in my head that I was just like, you know, so mad and letting it get to me that they weren't reliving or making sure like that the world knew, well, there's this record before Control and Resistance. You know, this band has a history and you should know the whole catalog and the history of this band because of what they mean to the world. Like, you know, Van Halen didn't have a first record. It's only you know Van Halen 2. Why are they calling it Van Halen too? Shh, you know that was all on me. You're, you're, you're hiding. You've got protection. You don't Mm want to make sure people. You don't really see these guys going. That's the fucking guy from. What's he doing singing? Yeah, why is he singing this
1: fucking sissy shit? Rock and roll. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, What happened to his
2: heavy shit? You know. Wow, his voice sounds weird. What you know? Whatever they're gonna say.
1: Yeah.
2: I feel like it's the same thing dude it is i feel like you you, that was getting to you and 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 you didn't do anything wrong it was just because you fucking care yeah you care about your craft and your your representation it's not like you came out on stage and said fuck
1: atheist no fuck
2: all you, you were probably championing it still I mean you said you had a cover I was up. very
1: proud of it no I covered my tattoo because I thought it was over but i but yeah. I definitely uh was very proud of that music and proud of yeah, the guys of but I just knew that nobody understood it so um just the same way we watched it, our people were yeah. just confused yeah. by it so yeah it's a it's a similar thing that and it's nice to hear that that you know that uh, that somebody else can go through that similar scenario it's different yeah. but it, but it's the same you know it's this yeah. um you know coming out of one world into another. And, um,
2: I like to think that for the most part, people f- grew the fuck up and came to even enjoy those records that came later from both of us.
1: Absolutely, that's where we are. In closing, so. Joe, fucking, you've you've you know you created this amazing conversation. Thank you for putting this together. But in in closing, you and I, my friend Jason, have have a lot of parallels in a in a in a um, jumping from. From two extreme uh opposites of, of music and surviving and not only surviving but thriving and uh yeah. and it's like you know uh it, it's it's nice that's it's nice exactly to be uh... why
0: i wanted to have this conversation with both of you because i knew it was going to go like this it went exactly how i expected and it was a fantastic conversation and i think the any best... fans of watchtower or atheists should love this conversation
1: oh man uh i, I can't wait to 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 text about it and, and tell everybody when is it going to be available and uh, how, how people like make sure you send me that link because of course people are just gonna freak out about it. But I think that you know in in final closing, I think the best is yet to come for for uh, for both of us in in music. And I think that people are old enough and wise enough and, and uh adult enough now to appreciate all of our chapters in our book of music, Jason. And um, you know myself, I'm getting ready. To, I just signed a deal with Nuclear Blast for my new band Till the Dirt, and uh, I really want you to hear some of it. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's a combination of my two worlds and, uh, and I, and I, and it happened over COVID and it happened unassumingly. And, uh, and that's I, the way I love things to happen. Yeah. And, uh, and it's coming out, uh, August 25th and uh, the first single hits, uh, June 23rd and it's a combination of the, that my two voices. And, uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm just excited about, uh, our future and, and, uh, and being able to finally show that other side of me, um, there's another thing, also, I want you to check out that. Do you know Steve DiGiorgio? Yeah, a little bit. So me and him, uh, he's plays with Testament and yeah. um play with Death a, little, a lot of. So me and him just did an Alice in Chains cover, uh, Rotten nice. Apple, and uh, nice. so and it's just uh Decibel magazine put it out like two weeks ago. And uh um, oh, cool. So yeah, so I want to send it over and see what you think about it. But uh, yeah, but it's just nice awesome. to be able to finally, without having to have the sunglasses on, be proud of the fact that yeah, I can fucking scream my face off and I can fucking sing. So, but that, it took a while to grow up, uh, and, and, and feel, feel confident about both. So it's a pleasure, pleasure to talk to you about these things because it makes me feel better about, uh, the, the path and, uh, and to hear somebody else how also go through it. And, um, I just have so much respect for you, my friend, you
2: know, right. We didn't even get into
1: all the other things that, uh, you know, you sent me records a while ago, you're, you know, and then you playing with Jason West and yeah yeah you just don't know what you mean to me buddy so uh i wow. really i really i really appreciate it man it's so
2: huge uh, you're you're making me get a little emotional and and i'm fine with that so
1: <laughs> thank it you means a it. lot to me man it's thank gonna you. mean a lot to a lot of metal kids too so thank you joe, you fucking yeah, joe devil. this was great Joe's the was big great, daddy great. of
0: this conversation and i didn't yeah. even have to have to work here <laughs> i just got to sit back and enjoy it
1: well i love you both man thank you guys <laughs> for having me and uh Jason, uh, if you can, I know it's far, but uh, if you do s- decide uh, to come, please let me know so that I can fucking roll off the red carpet for you, buddy.
2: I'll I'll let you know uh, if you don't have my, uh, you uh, I'm easy to find, but Joe's got my cell number if you want to just hit yeah. me back.
1: I love that. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks yeah. for yeah, having me, Joe. Guys.
2: I was excited. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you All right. guys. We'll be in touch.
1: All right. Stay healthy and safe, man. Love you both. See you guys. Yeah. Cheers. Take care, man. Right, bye. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.